From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, the telecom company First Light is retaliating against a competitor for its role in our reporting about First Light's use of banned equipment. Now it's up to state regulators to decide how far First Light can go. Back in June, our editor Colin Mine got access to a telecommunications facility that's typically only seen by engineers. I was invited to go to a co-location office, which is a space that's owned by Consolidated Communications, which is the main landline carrier in Vermont. And they sort of have a building where all the other providers store their telecommunications equipment. There's lots of wires there. There's lots of sort of routers. There's these things called patch panels. And I was told that one of the pieces of equipment being used by First Light, which is one of the largest providers in the state, was made by Huawei, which is equipment that has been banned among state contractors in Vermont. I paid a visit to this facility in Montpelier first and was let in by an engineer for Vermont Telephone Company and he showed me his equipment and then I walked over to First Light's rack in this room and took a photo of uh, what was clearly Huawei equipment sitting there with uh, power on and wires going in and out. And what's the significance of this company using Huawei equipment in the first place? Why is that a big deal? So the state of Vermont in February put out a directive. It was the first state in the country to do this. And it cited federal concerns that companies using Huawei gear would essentially potentially give the Chinese government an opportunity to sort of spy on those networks. Huawei is something that's very dangerous. You look at what they've done from a security standpoint, from a military standpoint, it's very dangerous. And there's quite a bit of debate over the extent to which that is a sort of security concern. And certainly for this piece of equipment that I saw, it doesn't seem to be the type of thing that would really allow a great deal of cyber espionage, but it did appear to be a possible violation of this directive that came out from the state of Vermont. You write a story about this. What happens then? Pretty quickly after the story was published, uh, we heard back from First Light, the company that was using this equipment, and they had given us a sort of response very early on in my reporting process saying that they didn't want to talk about their customers. And then that was sort of it. I sent many other emails. I sent them photos that I took from this office, uh, many other things, and they didn't have anything to say about it until the story was published. Uh, and then they had a lot to say about it. Their <laughs> uh, general counsel wrote a, a very angry letter talking about how we had created security concerns for them, um, how reckless the reporting was, you know, sort of accusing us of collaborating with Vermont Telephone Company to damage them. And then our marketing department uh, got a call from their public relations person saying that they were canceling a $15,000 contract for underwriting with VT Digger. So that spoke pretty loudly as well as far as uh, what they thought about this story. And then they also lashed out at VTEL, the company that let me into this office, and they sort of kicked them off of a piece of equipment that VTEL was leasing from First Light. Um, and that's what really has led to this hearing before the Public Utilities Commission and bringing in the lawyers to sort of fight this out in Vermont. Uh, good morning. This is a hearing uh, regarding Vermont Public Utility case Commission case number 19-2958. In front of the Public Utility Commission this week, this regulatory body, what did VTEL say the stakes would be for them to lose that piece of equipment that First Light wants to kick them off of? Sam Coleman, the network engineer for VTEL, uh, who let me into their offices, you know, went up there on the stand and talked about a number of different ways that them being kicked off of First Light's equipment would hurt customers in Vermont. And VTEL's main argument here is that if First Light follows through 
with kicking VTEL off of this dark fiber, then that's going to hurt Vermont consumers. And it is the Public Utility Commission's job to protect Vermont consumers, which is that's sort of the fundamental argument that they're making here. So the line that they use from Lebanon to Boston, it's not their primary connection south. It's their redundant line, essentially their backup. So they have another line to New York that is sort of their primary channel out of Vermont. They're both used, whichever one, if one is failed, they will switch to Boston side. If Boston fails, it will go over the New York side. This is their redundant line and that there's really no obvious replacement for it. Um, You know, they're using this dark fiber, which gives them sort of control over the line and they can plug in their own equipment. There seems to be other alternatives for what's called lit fiber, which is much more expensive and they said would be much slower. But you could purchase 4,400 gigabytes of lit. You could, but I don't even want to know how much that would cost. And we've already sunk a a, a fair amount of money into the equipment that is today capable of that. So Sam talked about how if they were kicked off this dark fiber and they couldn't find another redundant route that had the same speed, there's a number of things that could be impacted, one of which is E911 geolocation services, which is when you have an emergency call and you're not able to actually tell the person who receives that call where you are, that there's a system in place that allows them to pinpoint where you are so that first responders can still respond despite the fact that you weren't able to sort of explain your location and that that would be severely diminished if they didn't have this redundant line or if the redundant line was slower. If one doesn't exist and the, the single one fails, the geolocation will not be available for first, first responders. They also talked about things like a few cable television stations from Boston um, and some data services that they provide to clients that would be harmed. What would the grounds be for First Light being able to kick VTEL? off of this equipment in the first place. Yeah, so First Light has gone on this buying spree of companies around New England. In 2016, First Light is acquired by Oak Hill Capital Partners, setting the stage for its next phase of aggressive growth. One of those companies is called 186. First Light also acquires 186 Communications which operated a fiber network in New England. They had a previous contract with VTEL for this stretch of dark fiber going from Lebanon, New Hampshire to Boston. And dark fiber is basically, it's just, you know, high-speed optic fiber that a company rents um, and they plug in their equipment on one end and their equipment on the other end. So it's really just this cutting-edge fiber that they're renting. And First Light came to acquire that fiber and also inherited this contract. So they're effectively trying to cancel the contract, claiming that VTEL violated a confidentiality clause by letting me into this co-location facility and not stopping me from photographing First Light's equipment. You, you testified that you were in the Stowe Central Office for approximately 10 minutes. If that, yes. And you, that uh, Mr. Mine was never out of your sight during no, those 10 he minutes? was standing right beside me the whole time. And you saw him take photographs of First Light's equipment? He had a phone, I was assuming. I, He was took a photo, yes. But you testified that he took no other pictures while he was in the Stowe Central office with you. I don't have his phone, so I don't, I can't like testify what happened, but it didn't, from my perf- having a phone myself and taking pictures, it did not appear that that happened, no. There's very vague language in the contract about how the two companies as confidentiality can be understood. Things that are understood to be confidential shouldn't be shared with the public in this sort of language. It gets into the nitty gritty sort of legal arguments as to what's confidential and what's not. When we go through and decide what 
gets released to the public, there's a full process of the security board, of which I'm a member, that goes through and sanitizes and says, this is what we're good to go with. This is what we're allowed to release. Uh, when marketing wants to do press releases, are we okay with this? Does this particular thing represent a risk to us? And that security board votes and says yes or no. Brandon Payton, who is the chief network officer for First Light, uh, talked about, you know, he was pressed by VTEL's lawyer on at what point exactly was this confidentiality thing broken? Does simply bringing in a unvalidated guest count as breaking this confidentiality? Or is it the point at which I took out my smartphone and pointed it at the equipment that broke the confidentiality? Or was it the point at which, you know, VT Digger published this photograph and made this all public knowledge and turned it into a public discussion? Is that the point at which confidentiality was broken? The allowing them entrance isn't a confidentiality access, it's a network security access. The publishing or enabling the publishing of is. And Brandon, you know, he said that really it was the publishing of the photo that really crossed the line for them and turned it into something that was clearly an attempt to sort of damage their company and that sort of thing, which is interesting because really that's the one point at which VTEL has no control over what happens. I mean, you know, they were the ones who decided to open the door. Sam didn't make an attempt to sort of prevent me from doing anything in particular in the co-location facility. But once I had the photo, it wasn't really up to VTEL to decide whether or not I published it. But First Light's argument basically is that VTEL knew what it was doing. Uh, it knew that, you know, these spaces are only supposed to be accessed by people who have the access cards and are there to do engineering work, basically, and that they intentionally sort of use that access to damage their competitor. By VTEL using a reporter to produce negative press about a competitor, it's very clear that the direction is to try and discredit First Light in one way or the other. So, firstly, by using the equipment that talks about the highway and focusing on a, on, on a highway topic, which is not relevant, as well as the enablement of all the other equipment that is in the CF. The VTEL lawyer quickly sort of snapped back at that and said, you know, how exactly would VTEL use this reporter? What evidence do you have to suggest that? I thought I was going to say that VTEL used a reporter. What, what, on what facts do you base the fact that VTEL used a reporter? Okay, a reporter used VTEL's access, every state. I think First Light's sort of acting assumption throughout this has been that, you know, VTEL fed me the story and essentially sort of engineered this whole thing in an attempt to uh, hurt First Light, which is not accurate. So if all, if all the Huawei equipment is out of VTEL, I'm sorry, out of First Light's network, what competitive harm or competitive mischief can the photographs be used to cause First Light? When looking at an irrelevant topic, like the highways that are completely removed from the network, they're bringing in questions that are not there. There is no discussion around highway in the state of Vermont. And therefore, when there's questions raised that do not need to be raised, because it is irrelevant. There was some discussion of the actual decommissioning of the Huawei equipment. What did we learn from that exchange? This had been conveyed previously in the filings, you know, as the companies have sort of gone at it in their filings and counter filings leading up to this hearing, we've learned quite a bit about sort of what exactly was happening in First Light's network during the time that I was reporting this story. Um, and one thing that's clear is that they say that they had been decommissioning this equipment for quite some time since 2018, and that it was a matter of time before it all came out, whether or not it was public that they were using this Huawei equipment. And coincidentally, it seems, or so First Light argues, they completed their decommissioning of the 
Huawei equipment the day before we published our story, and there was some discussion over to what extent that was coincidental was it, or not. Was it just, just coincidence that Huawei decommissioned all its legacy uh, Huawei equipment in its Vermont network one day before the VTWR uh, That is, you're, you're simplifying what decommissioning involved with. It involves many, many, as I described in the statement, it involves many months of planning and conversion of services over uh, to be cut out of that. Does that mean no or yes? It's not a I think Vitel was certainly suggesting that, uh, you know, it was more or less a public relations move to sort of rip out the equipment right as the story was going to be published so that they could sort of make it a non-issue as it was becoming public. First Light contested that. They said that essentially their schedule was happening regardless of this article and that although they had been reached for comment, it was completely coincidence that the two things lined up so closely. The Department of Public Service raised this question about jurisdiction and what the Vermont Public Utility Commission's role is in a case like this. What were they arguing in that case? Yeah, so at the end of the hearing, uh, Dan Burke, the lawyer for Department of Public Service, talked about how they were particularly concerned to hear about this E911 geolocation impact. It's just, it raises significant questions as to whether or not that's a federal FCC jurisdiction exclusively. But then he said something else that was really important. The hearing officer, Jake Marin, he, he said the big questions for him in this case, you know, he's ultimately going to make the decision as to sort of who wins the day or how to split the baby, that kind of thing, that he was really wondering about jurisdiction and to what extent PUC in Vermont, the Public Utilities Commission, has jurisdiction over a contract that was signed in New Hampshire that is over a piece of equipment that exists physically in New Hampshire? And is that really something that the Public Utilities Commission can decide on? And Dan Burke, the lawyer for Department of Public Service, said, you know, he would be very sort of wary of limiting the scope of Vermont's PUC only to things that exist neatly in Vermont. All of the companies that are providing service in Vermont are generally in some way, shape, or form reliant on each other for network infrastructure and for connections that are outside of the state of Vermont. That goes for even the largest RVAC here, Consolidated Communications. He talked about how sort of telecommunication system have taken on a nationwide and worldwide sort of nature, just the scope of them. You have companies like First Light who are buying up, you know, vast tracts of fiber all around the region, perhaps all around the country for other providers. And that if Vermont were to take such a limited view of where it could really regulate the companies operating in Vermont, that that could limit their ability to do much of anything down the road. So the consolidation that's been happening in this industry in general is part of what is making this case so complicated. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, you look at sort of the extent to which First Light controls regional networks and, you know, VTEL was trying to make the argument that First Light is regulated in Vermont. It's making decisions that are going to impact Vermont consumers. So why wouldn't it follow that Vermont regulators are able to weigh into those decisions? Right, but I would contend broadly under 203, 208, and 209, the, commit, the proposition that a company can use its control over infrastructure that happens to be physically outside of the state to cause harm to Vermont customers, to cause harm through the de deprivation of services that are regulated by the commission, 
that that is a very slippery slope to say just because in this increasingly uh, complex, heavily networked telecommunications world, just because the physical infrastructure resides outside of the state, when the company who owns that infrastructure knows that action it takes with respect to that infrastructure will cause harm within the state of Vermont, where it is a regulated entity, I think the commission's broad grant of jurisdiction through all of the statutes just mentioned and language cited throughout our briefs uh, is, is adequate to hear and resolve this dispute. Um, there's sort of some extremes raised as to, you know, sort of if you say that you're able to regulate contracts that were written in New Hampshire, does that also mean that you can stop construction projects in the Gulf of Mexico if those are going to impact Vermont consumers? The hearing officer asked whether if First Light was also selling ice cream on the side, would they be able to regulate First Light sales of ice cream cones? Um, you know, let's, let's say they sell ice cream cones. I can't regulate their ice cream cones. No, I, I would agree with that. Okay. Yes. But the difference here is that this line is serving and being used by another company to serve Vermonters. That's correct. That's the difference. That's correct. As is often the case when people are sort of tossing around legal ideas, you know, they sort of took it to the extreme. But uh, I think that the Department of Public Service really, what they had to say will be heard loudly in this case, that, you know, if regulators in the telecommunications industry want to be able to protect consumers in their state at all, there has to be some ability to sort of reach outside the state to, you know, stop companies from making decisions that are going to hurt Vermont consumers, if indeed that's the case. What happens next? Well, there's a bunch of filings coming up. These Washington uh, lawyers came up to Vermont to take part in this hearing, um, and they're heading back in a month. They're supposed to make their next filings, um, which will sort of focus on this question of jurisdiction and confidentiality and this sort of thing. Um, and then the other sides will have a week to respond. So maybe in about a month and a half or two months, it'll really be in the PUC's court to make a decision on this. And we'll be watching. We'll be watching. Cool. Thanks, Colin. Pleasure. You can find more of Colin's reporting about First Light at vtdigger.org. You're listening to The Deeper Dig. Every week, we go deep on one key story that we've been following. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. You can find our full archive at vtdigger.org. We used music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks this week to Orca Media and Steve Whitaker for additional audio. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.